Good evening. It's time for another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. I'm KG. Let me talk to the Wildcat first. How are you, sir? Doing, I'm doing better. I'm doing better. It's a good day. I'm above grind and everything's going fast. Next up, Doc, how you doing? I'm doing well, doing really well. So who wants to go first? Me? Wildcat? Doc? Chris? KG? Yeah, because yeah, cause, uh, you got your basketball stuff. You got to get out of the way. Doc and I got football business to be talking about here. All right. Sounds good. And I'll I'll work uh, most most recent news first. Uh, Sunday this this morning, earlier today, 6'3 guard Caleb Mills out of Asheville Christian Academy in North Carolina announced his commitment to U of H. I've done a write-up article. You go to the website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com. Wildcat and Doc, you'll love this, this little backstory. And uh, kudos or props to Mark Berman and well, Fox 26 and Joseph Duarte of the Chronicle. They tweeted about it earlier uh, this afternoon. I put together some more information and, and did a little article. Found some info from guys who, not necessarily men, but guys as in men, women, people who cover grassroots hoops. And uh, I got some info, more details about Caleb Mills within the article at HoustonRoundBarView.com in the newly created NCAA men's hoop category. So it's also in that category as well as the on the men's hoops blog at men's hoops, uh, Houston Round Bar View men's hoops blog. So two different places for folks to get the information. The men's hoops will be where I'll focus on the college basketball. Got one category for men's college, another category for women's college. So that'll be on the hr.com website specifically. So that'll be uh, growing as the years progress. That's Caleb Mills. Two years ago, he had two scholarship offers. Winthrop and Lipscomb. 2017, he got six more scholarship offers. All those were pretty much low, maybe some mid-major. App State, Liberty, Western Carolina, High Point, George Mason, College of Charleston. As of May of 2018, since then, 25 new college scholarship offers. 25. And these include big boys. Auburn, Cincinnati, Clemson, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Harvard, Houston, Kansas State, Marquette, Mississippi State, Old Dominion, Pittsburgh, Providence, St. Louis, Tennessee, VCU, Wake Forest and Xavier. So he went from two scholarship offers in 2016 from Lipscomb and Winthrop to six more to 25, and I think it was growing, including big-time programs, including Power Five conferences. Sunday morning, he said, point blank, I just committed to Houston. Most schools recruiting me. Were making me promises, but Houston had a real plan for me. They had a plan, and I could tell it was the right school for me. He took his visit 
on Friday. I think I don't think that was his first official visit. He didn't. Eat, he decided not to go anywhere else. He was done. So the coaching staff, facilities, etc., convinced Kayla to commit to U of H, just like that. So and, and so basically, he blew up this year and chose to go chose to commit to U of H. That's two years in a row, roughly two years in a row that Coach Sampson and his staff got a commitment from the state of North Carolina. Nate Hinton will be a freshman on this year's U of H squad. Nate and Caleb know each other, so there may be a North Carolina pipeline being established to U of H. Caleb's 6'3", about 170, long arms. Uh, there's YouTube video footage included in my article as well. You can see his skills. Got decent hands, good handles. He can finish. He can score in all levels, all three levels. He can get to the hoop, mid-range, and three. So that's a good get for Coach Sampson and the staff. Friday, U of H women announced a non-conference schedule. That's in the newly created NCAAW section of the Round Barview website. And since uh, we can, since it's not officially posted, here we go, Wildcat. I'm not sure if I mentioned to you, North Doc, what the teams were in the non-conference schedule for Coach Huey, but I'll just give it to you and the listeners. Tip out the season at Cal, November 6th. Come home, home being the H and PE Arena, Georgia Tech on November 9th. November 14th at La Tech. November 16th, home at Boston versus Boston College. Sunday, November 18th, at Incarnate Word. Wednesday, November 21st, at Columbia. Saturday, November 24th, home versus New Mexico. Wednesday, November 28th, at Florida Gulf Coast. Saturday, December 1st, at East Tennessee State. Wednesday, first home game in the Fertitta Center versus Texas A&M. Break for finals, and next game, December 17th, home versus UTA. Last two games, non-conference on the road. December 21st, at George Mason. Then wrap it up, December 30th, at Southern Miss. That is not a cream puff schedule, gentlemen. That's a step up for Coach Huey and his staff. And I said to him, I asked him, is he lost his mind putting this schedule together? And he said, we actually found our mind, our competitive mind. And here's the kicker, fellas. There are two scrimmages that are closed to the public. First one is against Oklahoma State. The second one is against Mississippi State. Thoughts? Eh? Eh? And is this going to get them ready for conference play? Will it prepare them to beat UConn at least once? What, what, do, you, what do you think? This, and let me say, this schedule asking you. is competitive. Asking you. It's good schedule, non-conference in terms of committee, strength of schedule. Oh, clearly they have to win these games. It's nice to step up the competition to, and play them. It's another thing to win these games. So that's the next step. You know, Coach Huey said in the article, he mentioned, 
we've made a jump. He went from three to six wins, six to 12 wins, 12 to 20 wins last season. Now it's time to make that jump to 25 or 26 wins. I don't, I don't believe that's going to happen this year. They got some talented players on the squad. We'll see if they can get done. I think the schedule is, is tough. It's very tough for them to get 25, 26 wins out of it. I'm not sure if they matched last year's 20 win total. And the, team, the team may be better this year and have a worse record. You know, roughly like 18 wins, 18, 19 wins. Mm-hmm. So, because they got two games against UConn in conference. They got two games against South Florida in conference. Got to win at least one of those. And then I lose to the bottom feeders of the American. So they got to beat the folks they're supposed to beat. And then, I mean, until they prove it, still is it where we got to use because you haven't done it yet. Still a win against folks that you're not expected to beat yet. I think the program is on the rise. Now you got to see the results on the court. And the last thing um, for me in hoops talk, Coop's got a commitment from Bria Patterson. A few days ago, she's playing, she plays, she's uh, plays, goes to DeSoto High School up there. Wildcat, you know that area? Yeah, yeah, I know. And she also plays for DSW Elite. <laughs> I know that area too. So, for those who don't know, listeners who don't know, DSW Elite is one of the highly respected grassroots. I'm using the term grassroots rather than AAU because AAU folks, the AAU organization, you know, they're old school. They are starting to frown on these summer tournaments being described as grass as AAU because they think they're grassroots rather than AAU. So she is Bria Patterson is is six one, sixty six one, uh, wing. Wildcat, you, I know how you've harped on Huey's some of his players. Yep, oh man, yeah. So yeah, she, yeah. She's she's does that height do good enough for you to be a guard? Six feet, six feet one. She's an athlete. I got. Well, let me put let me put it this way. She's been playing against high schools. Let me see what she can do. Once you step out there on the floor with the next level, <laughs> you know I'm just I, I'm just hard on him, Chris. I just hard on him. I'm, I'm oh, looking man. for stuff. I'm looking for stuff, and I want to see that. And you know that's fair, but it's yeah, I think it's fair as well. I think it's good about. to see. Go ahead, Doc. I'm just agreeing with you. I think it's fair analysis when you talk about. Uh, Wanting to see more competition, so you can really judge somebody based on uh, not only their skills, which can be very high, but how those skills translate against various levels of competition. And obviously, going at the college level, playing in American with uh, arguably the best team in the country, certainly one of the top three teams in the country, you get a better understanding of is her game going to translate to the next level. And what, you, what is either one of y'all's thoughts on Huey's non-conference schedule? As good as it is, it, it, you're right. It is. It, it's, it's probably the best it's been uh, in a long while. 
the one thing that is working is it's a double-edged sword. The best thing that happened is, is with this this particular non-conference schedule. It'll keep them in. The, uh, it'll keep them on the board. And if they can get, uh, I say, five hundred out of the out of non-conference schedule, that'll leave them with probably ten ten games and all at a minimum in the conference that I'm, I'm looking at it as this, right now. I'm looking at 15, uh, a, a plus 15 to, and if I had to put a number on it, I'd say 18 wins. But it'll be enough to get them into the tournament, just because of oh, uh, they'll actually have 20 wins because I can see them getting an early tournament, uh, conference tournament, two, uh, an early conference tournament win. So that could put them to 19. And that would probably in this in this particular conference, that could probably get them into the tank. But they'll have to finish five hundred in a non-conference schedule. And you're right; they definitely will have to win one of those four games against uh, USF and uh, and UConn. How it happens, I don't know. When it'll happen, we still don't know. Will it be at home or on the road? They've got to get at least one of those those four. Well, come on, Wildcat. Let's. I agree with everything you said. You're being nice talking about getting one of those four. It ain't gonna be UConn. Let's be realistic. No matter. Yeah, let's be honest. No matter how much U of H has improved, they have. They're not on the UConn level yet. We're not convinced they are have risen to the South Florida level yet. But of those four games, two and two, you would. We all think. For the two to happen, it's got to happen against South Florida. It ain't happening against against UConn. It's, Let me ask this question, man. Knowing what we know about all three teams, are they capable <coughs> of competing against those two teams in particular, UConn and USL, on the road with all that atmosphere? We because don't know. It's one thing because the one thing that that nobody's capable of doing is because you and I have talked to everybody in both the, the old Big East and and what these teams do doing now in the, in the in the new conference. You know you're not gonna get not gonna challenge UConn on the road just because they thrive on going into somebody else's place and just beating the crap out of it. They feel better about it. Winning at home is winning at home, but when they go on the road and crash you up, they know they did their job. Because you and I have heard the same answer from every coach. It's about crushing dreams. We beat you on your on your court. We damn sure know you're not coming and beating us on ours. Does have you of H mentally reached a point, not just on the staff, but on the players' part? Because the only way you're going to get it done when those type of games are even compete, players got to want it. Players play. Coaches call timeouts, make changes, and that's it. They can't get out there and get it done for them. Have they reached 
this squad coming in this this particular season, an upcoming 18-19 crew, are they mentally capable of going on the road and challenging anybody? Too much silence. I know y'all thinking about it. Once again, we have nothing to this is the prove it year. They won games last year. They won 20 games last year. The competition non-conference was better than previous years, but it's not as good as this non-conference schedule. So we, we have to see if they can get it done. That's, that's the question. Coach Huey, he believes in his team, believes in the staff, believes that this is going to be the year that they take that next jump. We are objective and we are basically show us, prove it to us. Right? Yep. That's correct. So that's, and that's not hating on Huey and the Cougs. They got to do it. They have to show it. All we're saying is because they haven't done it yet, that's all we're saying. We're not saying they can't do it. They just have to go prove it and do it. Yeah, we're just saying based on our previous experience, looking at what other teams have coming to the table, uh, looking at what he has coming back, how the lady played last year, we're putting all those pieces together and looking at the schedule in terms of what we're projecting as likely wins in those scenarios. So obviously, uh, as you start playing, things start working out. They can go one or two different directions. You can start playing at a level where we didn't perceive it to be, and we'll start changing and saying, hey, we're playing some great basketball. Certainly heading in the right direction, or unfortunately, he could go in a different direction. You can say, hey, they're not playing very well, and it can be worse than what we thought. So, this is a moving target and just providing analysis based on analytics, past experience, just a good old fashioned look with the eye. And one more thing, I just popped in my head while we're talking women's hoops, and then we get into football. Uh, the NCAA committee in terms of the women's final four was in Minneapolis during the WNBA's all-star festivities. And then a few days ago, Wednesday, they were in Kansas city for the site. visit. So they made two site visits. Um, they have six more to go, including Houston based on information that I have scrounged up for 2021. Houston and San Antonio should be the major competitors for the 21-2021 bid. The other cities, the majority of them, uh, Kansas City, Minneapolis, Nashville, Cleveland, are bidding on 2023 and or 2024. I haven't found, I'm not Cleveland, um, Cleveland and Dallas, I'm not sure yet. But I think Dallas possibly put in a bid for all four, which seems kind of odd. 
No, well, they, but they the, give greedy now. They give greedy. It's going to come down to Houston and San Antonio <laughs> for 2021. Now, keep in mind, the Harris County Sports Authority and the city and Texas A&M put in three bids for 21, 23, and 24. Okay. Well, 23, Houston got the men's final four. So Houston okay. is not bidding for women, obviously, because they already got the men. 24, they, okay. they got, Houston already got the college football playoffs. That final four teams playing. So those two years are out. Of the two, three that they, Houston is bidding on, that's why everything is going to focus on 2021. So, can, uh, so the, the layout of the NCAA precludes teams to having both uh, even the college football playoffs yeah, major, and basketball final fours? Major bids, major events, excuse major events. Uh, I believe the NCAA does not like multiple major events to be in one city in the same year. Yeah. Marketing-wise, it does make some sense in terms of hoping to have various fans travel. And you don't want them not traveling to a place because they've just been there, even though you're talking about different sports, different sports and likely different fans. So that's all I got on basketball. Oh, and the NCAA committee should be here for the site visit sometime in August. Then each local organizing committee will be will speak before the body in September for one more final presentation, and then the announcements will, will be made determining which cities will be hosting Final Fours. So, Wildcat, our hopes and dreams for Houston getting a Final Four, women's Final Four, are going to come down to Houston and San Antonio. I hope Houston is chosen. Because it's the only one of the eight cities that are in the finals that has not hosted the women's final four. San Antonio has hosted numerous ones. So when it comes down to Houston, San Antonio, choose Houston because it's, it has the facilities, has the hotels, and it's new and different. So San Antonio, thank you for your time. Bid again. But you know, obviously, if I have a say in the matter, come down to those two choices, I hope it's Houston. Would I be shocked if it's San Antonio? Not at all. Would I be disappointed? Yes. But that's my take on that. Doc, give me some HBCU information. Certainly. Sticking with the football as we're getting into it, um, really we're going to take you outside of HBCU football in terms of football programs and stuff, but we're going to take you through the field with a couple of players that played previously at HBCUs. Both of these guys played HBCU are playing in the uh, indoor football league. Just recently, Livingston's quarterback, Drew Powell, won an MVP in the indoor football league as he led the Iowa Barnstormers to the championship of the league uh, in the indoor football league. And that wasn't enough. You also have another indoor football league called the Champion Indoor Football League. And the Houston native John Gibbs Jr. 
of all point stage hbcu in mississippi for those that don't know about it, plays his professional football at the omaha beat let me say that again omaha beat uh, former swag offensive player of the year for the braves played this year he was four and eight of the season not very well there but gives was two and three as a starter as he completed 89 of 169 of his passing at 52.7%. He had 886 yards with 16 touchdowns and finished with just seven interceptions in the Arena Football League. What was interesting is the number of HBC players that played in the in the Champions Indoor Football League, I should say. Won't run down all of them, but just give you ideas that you had HBCUs with many of these teams and that included the Amarillo Venom that had three HBCU players on there, uh, both from SIAC, the MEAC, as well as the CIAA. Yeah, Bismarck Buck had players, had two HBCU players on there, one from the MEAC, one from the SWAC. Vinny Gladiator had three HBCU players. Uh, you had one from the CIAA, one from the SWAC, and one. Uh, from the OBC, which everybody realized one HBCU in their conference, which is Tennessee State. Kansas City Phantoms had one HBCU player from the MEAC, Morgan State. Then you have Omaha Beach. They ultimately had uh, the team with the most HBCU players on it, five. You had players from the SWAC, Alcorn State, Mississippi Valley, uh, Lincoln. I'm not sure if that's uh, Lincoln, Pennsylvania, or Lincoln, Missouri. Paul Dawson, the defensive back there. Uh, Miles College out of the SIAC. Walter Walker, defensive lineman from the MEAC, Florida A&M. Selena Liberty had three players, uh, actually two players from HBCU, as we say. Two City Bandits had three, two players, and Wichita Force had two players, as well as QC Steam Wheelers had three players. Uh, as you talk about HBCU players playing their professional league in the indoor football league as they continue to do big things. Also talking about football heading into the season, as we get back to the MEAC, they released their television schedule. Most of the games were on ESPN Network 2018. They will have 10 regular season matchups on ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU, ESPN Classic, and ESPN3. Obviously, the one postseason appearance on ABC, which is the celebration bowl with the champions between the MEAC and the SWAC at the end of the season. They start out on prime time when they have North Carolina A&T facing off against Jacksonville State. That's the MEAC versus OBC conference-wise. Basically, should be certainly top 25. You're probably going to have a top 15, maybe top 10 matchup in this game between MEAC and OBC. And then the next following week, you have the MEAC Select Challenge, which features North Carolina Central of the MEAC versus Prairie View A&M of the SWAC. So very intrigued about that matchup. That's an early kickoff for those folks around here, 11 o'clock Central Time, live on ESPN2. That's a big matchup. Then they get into more of the conference schedule uh, as you go through the season, starting out September 15th. You have a North Carolina at South Carolina State. That will be on ESPN3 live, rebroadcast on ESPNU, 
And you'll see that play out a couple of times here. You also have Circle City Classic in Indianapolis, which is Howard versus Bethune Cookman. That will be on, again, ESPN3 live rebroadcast on ESPN. Uh, and then you have some Thursday games jumping in here. With South Carolina State at North Carolina A&T. A&T was predicted to win the MEAC, as we talked about last week. But that's going to be an intriguing matchup when you have South Carolina State. Can they get back in the top part of the MEAC race? That one will be live on ESPNU as a Thursday night game. Then we jump back to another Saturday game as we have what they call the MEAC wild card. It's the first wild card game of the season. Uh, that will be live on ESPN3 and rebroadcast on ESPNU. So based on how teams are starting to play in November, as you get ready for the championship round, you'll find out who will be on that game later in the season. Makes sense. Then you have your Thursday night game, uh, which will be North Carolina Central at Bethune-Cookman. That will be live on ESPNU. Then you have the big classic game, Bethune-Cookman versus Florida A&M which will be on ESPN Classic. And that same weekend, they'll have what they call MEAC Wild Card 2. So ultimately in that game, you'll probably have a team uh, playing for the MEAC champion, and you could have two teams openly depending on how it plays out, and that's what they would love to have uh, on that MEAC Wild Card 2. And then, as we said earlier, you have them ended up the season where you find the MEAC champion playing against the SWAT champion live on ABC, and that's in the Celebration Bowl. So that's the team game slate for the MEAC, and they are excited, very well put together, media day uh, a couple of Fridays ago. Give you some more information as we're into uh, television. Uh, let's look at a little bit of the streaming side of this, and you will see that you have the SIC announced a multi-year partnership with Flow Sports. Both sports has now a multi-year partnership with the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, SIEC. That's the Division II uh, level in the NCAA that these schools of the SIEC play at. It is exclusive partnership where you see them stream more than 50 football and basketball conference games on flowfootball.com and flowhoops.com, respectively. The deal was agreed to in collaboration with the Collegiate Sports Management Group. So that's a big deal. That's what I see as they continue to try to get more programming out there on their program. And, and Doc, Doc, if you look on the go ahead. Uh, let me just toss in this little piece of information. I subscribed to uh, Flow Hoops for, I think we touched on it, you know, podcast early last season um you know as an old head I'm, I'm trying to evolve with the times so right. but the but the, the impetus the impetus for the subscription and i got the annual subscription was because notre dame and south carolina women were playing in a classic in a t- tournament classic and the only way to watch it was to subscribe to it. So there was some back and forth between some colleagues about why is this elite matchup between two top women's teams unavailable to the majority of the country. And I just went ahead, you know, what the hell? So I purchased a subscription 
it's the way for the future. You know, as old here, like I said, I, I admit it, I'm an old head. But I can you can watch it on your phone, laptop, stream it on TV. I was able to to watch it um, a few weeks ago. Flow Hoops was showing some of the boys and girls grassroots basketball tournament championships. My only issue with most of those games is I didn't have any announcers, but there are not no announcers and no constant uh, scoreboard graphics. So it's kind of watching not knowing who it was who. So that's that's a little tweak that needs to be corrected. But it's the way of the future. The Big Ten Conference is a, I think, was one of the first major conference affiliates to be a part of Flow Hoops. So there are so many sports on there, sports that aren't the big three, uh, football, basketball, baseball. I mean, cheerleading, rugby, diving, swimming, volleyball. There's flow hoops, flow diving, flow this, flow that. So it's good to see the SI, you know, AC be a part of this. I'm curious. I don't know, Doc, if you know the numbers. Uh, if we at a point yet where technology can quantify the streaming numbers for these upcoming football games, that will be part of uh, Flow Sports. Well, let me ask you this question before y'all get to that point. Uh, how much advertising are you doing on those? They do a volume analysis on the uh, streaming component. I know they're feverishly trying to quantify it. So last I talked to um, John Grant, executive uh, director of the Celebration Bowl, when he was talking about the figures of the Celebration Bowl in combination with the streaming, they use it as a total amount number. And so they're trying to pull that out. And that was uh, as of July when I last spoke to him, and they had had it at that point at least. And while well, I answer your question, from the games that I've seen, um, getting back to the Notre Dame South Carolina game, not a lot of commercials, but during the time I breaks, one they're like maybe a handful constantly on like, on a loop. So, but one of them that was repeated over and over, that's redundant, repeated was the uh, tournament sponsor of the event. Saw that commercial. And I think the, each school had a commercial spot also broadcast throughout the feed. And then at halftime, I don't believe there was, uh, we could see halftime court stuff, like if there's any halftime festivities. So during that, I think there was maybe some other commercials. And then this year, like during AAU or volleyball, I've seen the sponsor of the event has commercials and then I'm assuming that the schools, the conference members will have be able to air spots as you know, that they want as well. So it's exactly. not a huge number of commercials yet, but there there is opportunity for advertising. Because last December when I went to when I went to Vegas and watched it, uh, the 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 
Duel in the Desert Classic and all, that those two that whole week that they did games and all and everything, I only saw five students, uh and that's what they were, five students that were handling the games. Um didn't listen to it, I just sat and watched them, you know, at the table and they they pretty much set the cameras up, set the angles up that they wanted. And that was it. And it was all run, you know, for two servers uh, on one end of the court with uh, that two monitors. Mm-hmm. So I, just, my, I guess my question is, 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 are we are we really at that point to where cutting the cable is 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 all is here to the to the point to where? Um, the big cable companies, the satellite companies, are they are at a plateau, a saturation point? Uh, go ahead, Doc. It's, you, it's tough to say whether they're at a saturation point um, because you got so many new mediums going into the market, and because they can't quite measure the volume of these new mediums because the technology is so new that the Ways that they calculate the volume what's going on and how do you measure it as they were used to measuring television. Viewership is challenging. So I'm not sure if you're really at the saturation point. I think you just have a shift. And I think what you're going to find out is, is whoever's going to be able to, one, be first in the market, and two, whoever's going to be able to really deliver the quality that people are used to getting similar to when they watch TV in their living room. And third, that's able to do it at a price point uh, that is able to capture sponsors coming in uh, is really going to be at something special. And the fourth thing is being able to really delineate who are your subscribers. And when I say that, I'm talking about what is their demographic breakdown. You know, what age are they? What are the things they like? Where do they shop? And so the difficulty you have comparing this with mainstream media with television in terms of sponsors, television was pretty easy because they would say, hey, we're selling you the sponsorship on the volume. You come over here, we have this large number of people watching, and you know by definition that we're going we're gonna to touch your target market. And then you have it spread out a little bit where you started seeing people look at certain target markets nationally, whether you were shopping uh, and putting things on BET or the country music television, sports, per se, or what have you. But now you're digging deeper, and so now it's going to be about those that are able to pull out that data, and that's where we get these analytics that everybody's talking about. So your point that I'm getting here is, uh, Chris, and why I've had as you talk about it, is the fact that um, Flow Sports provides this platform for the Big 12, the Big 10, as you mentioned, Mountain West, the Western Collegiate Hockey Association, WCHA, Conference USA, and the Mountain Pacific Sports Federation, MPSF, uh, as they uh, do regular season games and championship events on the floor on the Flow Sports OTT platform. 
and part of this agreement provides live and on-demand coverage of 20 college football games on flowfootball.com for the SIC, which gets me back to my fourth point, which is analytics. So we're really going with this is the ability for these individuals to provide the analytics that we're used to seeing a lot of people talk a lot more with athletes on the court. Now we're talking about those that can do data analytics and metrics in the terms of finding marketing solutions for people. So if you can get this data and say, all right, I can give you an exact target market, now you can go to a particular corporation, McDonald's, and say, hey, we know that this is your target market. We have these folks and the exact age group that you target towards. We know that they watch this and they watch it at a certain clip. Now it's easy to get McDonald's to sign on. But until you can get that information to McDonald's, it's a difficult challenge to do that. The other thing is is you're trying to get national brands in an area that may be more regional. So how do you shop or market towards regional programs uh, in terms of regional corporations, I should say, versus national corporations? So that's kind of where you're in this flux. Obviously, we see that this is where things are going. You see this with the uh, media platforms uh, that are really hot during the year. You see ESPN that is still moving forward with their their ESPN3. And you saw that with the television package that we just gave you. With the MEAC, obviously, they come out with ESPN+, Plus, which is a uh, net, uh, platform where they're trying to get people to purchase extra money to get specialized content, if you would, uh, or area. Obviously, we see the CBS platform that's really hot uh, doing the NCAA tournament when a lot of people uh, put that on their phone and tablets so they can watch the game in the office. Uh, you see it when Fox Sports to go, NBC Sports have these uh, platforms where you can watch the television. Last year, I watched the um, – uh, Bayou Classic on NBC Sports on my app on my phone as I was out of the country. And so you see things like that. You've seen this for a while at the CSRN, which is the, uh, the sports network, if you talk about in terms of what they do, covering high school games. So this is just a continuation, in my opinion, uh, as you asked a really good question, uh, Wildcat, in regards to where is this going? And on the cable companies reaching the plateau, and what you're going to find out is they're going to buy these platforms. The bigger corporations are going to buy out these smaller corporations uh, when they get big enough and they have a solid enough background of their platform and basically have heightened the technological platform where they need to do it because these big companies don't want to do all the research. They'll allow the smaller companies to uh, uh, new market companies do it, but once they have everything at the highest level, they'll come in and buy them out. So it's, to me, you just see essentially the over-the-air television that went to cable, now you're seeing them going back uh, to streaming platforms, whether that is direct lines or Wi-Fi type lines across the country. So it's fascinating, and I just don't see the Bubble overall, really busting. I just see it going in a different direction, if that makes sense. Doc, do you have any idea of uh, money that Flow Sports 
offered to get SIAC, MEAC, et cetera, to no, I don't. I don't have the numbers. Uh, I would guess at this level, what you tend to see when you see um, Division two programs or what a lot of people would call the smaller programs, you start. You see a lot of in time gestures. You see a lot of partner partnerships where the conferences, if you can get a commissioner that understands where uh, society is going, they'll jump on this earlier. They'll try to get themselves positioned in a place where they can drive revenue later. So they probably have the ability to get revenue off of the sponsorships. And in another way, they probably see it as a platform to further market and brand their institution. So if they could do it essentially at no cost, uh, they'll do it. And so I doubt there would be uh, significant numbers on that. But that's just the best guess for me in regards to what's going on there. Yep. I'm not sure if there's a lot of money. On the streaming side, in terms of these companies uh, putting money in, in the pocket of the conference, I see the conferences see themselves doing this as a cost restraint and a platform to find ways to further brand themselves. So they're joining on the companies early on to see down the road can they make it into a revenue venture. And as Wildcat also referenced um, with the students that he saw um it it is it's a good way for the school's communications departments to get some experience in terms of broadcasting um it's not so far cuz it's still streaming sporting events still pretty much in its infancy so true there's not a lot of cameras you're only going to get certain angles a uh, majority of them are from one side of the court so like opposite the uh, score table in basketball so one side of the court that camera angle basically um if you're fortunate enough to get a school that can that has a video um instant replay capabilities consider yourself fortunate so not all of the streaming has that option. It's basically maybe just a video board, camera going to the video board. So if they have a video board with replay, you may be able to show a camera, turn it up there and look at a replay. So that's there are things, tweaks that need to be made. But um, it's a way of the future. And as long as the price point monthly or annually is not cost prohibitive, if you're a sports fan, if you're an alum, and um, let's be real, if, if it, in some cases, is the only way for you to watch your favorite right. team play, then you're going to, then it's up to you if you want to go ahead and spend that money to do it. So, because there are some conferences with deals now, I think, uh, I don't want to get into a conference, but as, as an example, general example, with some conferences going exclusively to ESPN Plus, that may be the only, ESPN Plus subscription may be the only option you get to see. You, you're able to see um, your child, your friend playing in a non-Olympic sport. So we'll see how that all works out. But it is it's here now, and it is way with the future, and we'll see how many people. Spend money on it. I know 
um, who is it? Uh, Golden Boy Boxing Promotions announced a deal with Facebook to have some of their fight cards, boxing cards, broadcast on Facebook Watch. And I think if I remember right, um, the money was like a million dollars. I'm not sure if that was for all the cards. Um, you know, I, I doubt if it's for one particular card, but that's an established organization with a history. So, you know, there's differences like that. So the money clearly would be skewed. But tying it into the American Athletic Conference yep. with their TV deal or what we want to call the broadcasting rights up for negotiation in the exclusive 30-day window with ESPN ends February 2019, there are some rumors, scuttlebutt, that Commissioner Resco is looking at streaming options of uh, corporation like Facebook or Amazon or Netflix or Hulu to get money, more money for the conference members. I'm not sure how that works because honestly, when it comes to college football, there's not a marquee national market, national brand in the American that would attract outsiders that aren't alums to American Athletic Conference football. So that would be a deterrent for a sponsor to to spend buku dollars on the American. But it's Commissioner Resco's job to make the best deals for his members. So we'll see how it works. Well, yeah. let, me ask you, let me ask you a question to both of y'all. Right now, what are they? Uh, what is that? Uh, the uh, payout per school in the conference, and what are they looking for as a uh, not so much an opening bid, but what are, what will they settle for in this next uh, contract bid? Oh, we don't know what Commissioner Resco will settle for. That he has not gone on the record with anything specific like that. The average payout in this current deal with ESPN for the schools is probably less than two million per school. So I think the deal was an eight-year deal for twenty million dollars. I think something like that. Um, seven, eight years. So that's what it was. Now, if you're looking at the Power Five conferences, Big Ten. Their TV deal is $51 million per school, and then you go down from there. The lowest of the Power Five, I think Pac-12, is $30, $31 million. So Commissioner Resco, he can ask for whoever it is, ESPN, he ain't going to get $30 million per school. He knows that. Well, can he get I uh, I think can. Ten to fifteen. Can he? Can he, I'm hoping. Oh. I'm hoping ten per school. Some of my friends are kicking around five is more realistic. Five or six. Really? Really? But con no, yeah. consider it. Well, while well, well, the, the, come on now. No, no. Consider where we are. You have, you have a you have a lot of different things that are going at this. 
when they struck the $2 million deal, you had different schools in the conference. So at the time, when they struck the $2 million deal, that was a decent deal with everything uh, before you had the titanic shifts the plate of people moving. So the automatic definition is to think that the money would go up. Uh, again, Chris alluded to is, what about Shamima institutions? Can they draw and justify the television paying five, ten million dollars? Right? And then the second part of the question is, is we just talked about that you have the cord cutting. So a lot of people think that the deals that are on the table for the larger institutions or deals that they got in the boom, and so their deals will be going down. Mm -hmm. So you have this very fluid situation that makes it challenging to kind of guess to say whether the five or ten million dollars is really uh, a good estimate. So it's a, it's going to be a challenge for Resto to really try to fill out what is the meeting point because he doesn't have a lot of data points to really to strategically look at based on where they are right now, which kind of what I wanted to get back to was a point you made from an academic perspective when you said that this is a the streaming part of this is a good opportunity for institutions uh, to make available to their schools of communications or schools of broadcasting, whatever they have. And I think I wanted to jump on that and really make the, the point that I'm not sure if the schools are really doing enough of it, that they are really having the partnership between the Department of Athletics and the school or the Department of Communications and the School of and College of, the, of Communications, radio, television, whatever those particular schools are across the landscape, uh, uniquely preparing their students to make that next step. I don't see enough of the partnerships uh, internally between institutions when it would be behoove them to do that. So I think that's another area to go through. Before we get dig a little deeper and get too far, this I did want to kind of close out sure. on something that's a little historic from the HBCU perspective, which is uh, FAMU marching under. A lot of people know about the band associated with HBCU sports. Uh, the marching 100 made history as they named their first uh, female drum major. Kay uh, Malcolm, a member of the Marching 100, tweeted, the first drum major in the Marching 100. Uh, she also is a member of the Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Uh, she is out of the School of Journalism and Graphic Communication, which kind of ties in what we're talking about. Uh, she's an Atlanta native, and she really is getting it done. That is Corey Bostick. Congratulations to her on becoming the first female drum major in the history of the iconic uh, band of marching. 100. I thought that was pretty cool to read that kind of information there. Another one that I thought was really nice to talk about is uh, you have the rivalry uh, between Alabama State and Tuskegee, uh, but you had a tough story when you had a Tuskegee linebacker who was trying to save a friend that lost their leg, and actually the Alabama State uh, football team and athletic program and Coach Donald Hill Ely actually came to the support of this young man and raised money and uh, generated $1,500 for what they did alone to support uh, Mr. Bailey uh, as he tries to push forward with his life. 
uh, in terms of him being a good Samaritan and uh, obviously uh, having tough things happen to him uh, doing that, trying to save people. So they uh, put a GoFundMe page out there. You can check that out. Uh, in regards to Jabari Bailey, to support him uh, as he tries to move forward with his life and get things back together. So I thought that was a good piece of information to share out there. Let's go back one thing okay. that, that Doc touched on. Um, the American has a YouTube digital channel. Not many folks watch the channel. For Speaking of, go ahead. Football, basketball, the, viewer, the viewing numbers, it's kind of hard to Go to a sponsor and say, ask for money when your numbers on your own channel aren't that great. Wow. So that's one. I mean, considering SEC, the other, you know, the big boys. No, your, your point is very valid is that you put that platform, and if you can't find a way to drive uh, your fans there, that you have an issue. And a lot of that is not just about the passion of the fans, but trying to figure out. Um, what mechanisms your fans want to see that product. Uh, so you have, for example, you have all conferences struggling with young, younger fans and trying to get them into the stadium. We, we've seen that as an issue. We talked about that a year or so ago when the SEC did a research study to see about driving their younger fans in there, and they one of the things they had to come up with was the fact that they needed to do uh, re-renovate inside of their stadiums and make them more um, plausible to uh, Wi-Fi and different Internet, uh, things of that such. And we've even seen that at the professional level where you see on their scoreboards now that they have Twitter updates where people can tweet during the game and be interactive. So you need more interaction between fans. Just recently, University of Texas athletic director came up with a platform where he's trying to copy with uh, – Austin Live with uh, something they do in the Austin area, being a musical hub as they are, is that they're going to do something outside on their uh, quad, if you would, in their front, where they're going to market towards the younger fans in terms of doing concerts and things of that nature about live bands to try to capture their interest. So this is not just about understanding fans, but now you're really trying to get into the minds of your fans and dissect what do your fans like of different demographics, whether it's ethnic makeup, gender makeup, age makeup, and all these components are making it a challenge uh, as we move forward as people have more of an interest. So instead of just being able to say, hey, we're going to put this game on here and tell your fans that the issue you have is is there's only a certain fans that really want to watch the game on that medium. So now you need to make sure if you put it on there, how do you educate those fans that would like it on there to know that it's on there? So, for example, fans that probably would watch things on YouTube are going to be fans that may be associated with Twitter versus Facebook. So if you're not telling them on Facebook to go to YouTube to watch stuff, They'll never get to YouTube, even though they may have an interest to do it because you're putting everything on the radio and the group that will go to YouTube but not listen to the radio. Exactly. And I'll say this to add to piggyback to what you just said. 
for a few days prior to the American Athletic Conference Football Media Day, there was a link to the YouTube American Digital Channel stating, uh, be here was like a, like a countdown clock. Come here, the football media day event will be here within 23 hours. You know, just whatever the time may be when I, when I went to it. So when it began, I went to the YouTube channel. It wasn't there. The American broadcasted on Facebook. Nah. So I, I missed a few minutes of it because I went to YouTube when it was on Facebook. To add to that, what I was re- referencing to earlier, I got a new TV uh, with Roku, with a smart TV with Roku channel on it. Yeah. That's R-O, R-O-K-O. I like yeah, I love now, that. Now, the reason I'm mentioning it is now because you just brought something up. The American Conference Digital Network has a Roku channel. Yes. That will come up automatically when you hit when you start adding channels for sports. It's the first one that comes up. I was like, okay, been been you know this conference has been in existence five years. There's no mention on the website that they have Roku channel or that you can find it on Roku. Yeah, streaming channel available on Roku. Yeah. That's, that's if the, you got if if you got any any kind of marketing or one on one or whatever, at some point somebody should bring a like when we post everything on the conference website, please add this to it. Because I, I went and checked once I got the TV set up. There's no place on the conference website that Roku channel is listed. If you have Roku, you can pick up the American American Digital Network. Not a one. Not not no place. Nothing. I made mention of it. Great point. Send an email. Have you got a response? You got a reply? I got a, a semblance of something. But it wasn't to my liking. And I thought it was shit. Now, when I made mention to Conference USA, Jerry, we'll get, that, we'll get on top of that. That's what I got back. Well, that's better than your, your we'll, other response. We'll spend, we'll spend about five hours. And let me add to, to this. You mentioned, I think, in podcast maybe two or three previous to this about the clam make for for the American at football media day that is now available on the uh, YouTube channel for the conference. So you can watch that. So different things. And the only reason I know that is because I subscribe to the, uh, the, uh, the digital channel on YouTube. And while looking for something else, I saw it. Found that. <laughs> Literally. Because, Doc, that's what we do. I mean, you're looking for something, one thing, and then all of a sudden something comes up, and you're like, damn, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know you could find that there. 
Right, which is which gets back to our point, which makes it unfortunate and dangerous when you're trying to build your platform. Mm-hmm. You don't want folks. You don't want the majority of your folks stumbling up on things. Uh, you want there to be a way that you're communicating this information out there. Uh, and so that's the challenge. In, in a lot of ways, there's no perfect way to do that uh, because you have so many different variables that are moving in so many different directions with so many different people that like to be communicated in different ways. So whoever has the ability to streamline this, for one, uh, be rich. <laughs> And two, they're going to help a lot of institutions uh, figure this out in regards to how they're going to appropriately communicate to fans uh, like they did. Just to give you a quick history lesson so maybe we can paint a better picture of this, um, let's go back 30 years. Essentially, well, let's go back 50 years. Essentially, the way that you communicated to folks about your program was through radio and the newspaper. Mm-hmm. You move that up to 30 years, then you added television. Well, now you're adding the streaming platform uh, as a component. You're adding the social media platform as a component. You know, just 15 years ago, that social media platform was email. Email is so standing now, people don't even think about that really as a social media platform. But in the simplest form, it is. And then you move up now, and now you have these much more complex ways to communicate. Well, each of these different generations, uh, if we look at these groups, are more comfortable about being communicated on this platform. One thing we did on our show that we do every Tuesday, just to get this out, the doctor is inside the ACC Sports Lab, 545 to 715 on KKBQ 92.9 FM AC2, which is a streaming platform. When we move from radio so streaming, we had to figure out, you know, how do we communicate to our fans? Well, many of our fans that like to listen to us on radio, we found out, were on Facebook. Once we found that out, we started streaming live on Facebook. It actually not only got us back to a lot of our fans that listen to us over the air, it actually opened us up to a lot more fans uh, that are HB fans around the country that are now able to get to us but that group of fans on Facebook. But that's only a certain age group that we focus on on, on that platform. Mm-hmm. Also, come on to the show, I put it out on Twitter, which brings a different fan group that will now move because they capture and follow things on Twitter over to Facebook to at least watch the show. Or they will go to the streaming platform, which we got on www.caseworks.tv.com. This is not to mention if we were doing it as a podcast and we did it on SoundCloud, which we moved away from, but now we found out that we might need to go back to that. So this is just to give you a platform. This is a small radio show that we do that has to find all these different mediums to try to find our customer base of group, different groups of people that would like to listen to us that are going to find themselves listening to us on different platforms based on their generation and interest of liking of how they want to be communicated to. And then we still have a older population that is challenging to get them back to us because they simply just like to listen to the radio. And and that group so of folks... That's, that's would, the complexity of what we're looking at. Right, and that group of folks that likes radio, 
is probably similar to the group of folks that want to see it on TV, not streaming, on TV, on the TV yeah. broadcast channels, the over-the-top channels. So yeah. Yeah. that's that's yeah. another, you know, it's it, this is, it is the way, of, streaming is the way of the future, but you cannot forget about your TV viewers that only want TV. Yeah. They, they're very comfortable out coming into their house, picking, the, picking up the remote, flipping on the TV, and going to various channels that they know about to see uh, what they want in terms of their entertainment. And if you ask them to do it on the phone, they simply are not comfortable about downloading an app that allows them to watch it on the phone and then being able to sign on on that app to get the TV. For some people, that is a very arduous and difficult task. And I was one of those people because we had this discussion last year during the women's tournament. I didn't want to watch the first two rounds on my phone uh, nor my laptop. And yep. And I had the issue over and over. And this was really before, and I admit this, before, I mean, I had a, I've had a TV that had streaming apps, including Roku. We need to get these folks to spend money on it, as we've mentioned them in this podcast. But right. uh, until March and tournament time, I didn't spend that much time on those streaming apps. And then after the first two rounds, well, I figured, what the hell? Let me see what this is about. So yeah, I did great. some reading and realized, oh, okay. So I was able to see four first-round matchups on the big screen. And I was like, oh, okay, I can get used to this. There were some parts of it I didn't like. You know, I'm a, a channel surfer. I like to be able to go up and down, back and forth real quick kind of stuff, you know. Well, when you're streaming, you got to, you know, press the back button, wait for it to load up. And then, you, or you got to find the specific game that you want. So you got to press a button to go up, find that game, then get to that game, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, okay, so this is how it is. So I had to accept that. But I adapted. So that's part of it. So yeah. I'm an old head, but I had to adapt. And that's just how things are. So Doc has touched on it how you can find his program on the internet. Wildcat, how can folks find you on the internet? And then I know you have some other stuff that you want to discuss real quick as well. Yeah. Uh, you can find me online at Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., J. L. Woodley 1. And on uh, YouTube, Blogger, Blogspot, uh, SoundCloud, uh, as AKSVZCSR, the College Sports Report. Also, I'm on Stitcher. Um, is PWH9855. At Gmail. All right, what you, what you got on your mind? Oh, sir? Uh, all right. Now, um, last week, uh, I got a home visit from both FEMA and Red Cross. Hadn't heard from them in about six months. 
out of the blue, I got a phone call about two weeks earlier, and last week they came by. They looked at the house. They looked at everything, and they updated my paperwork. Then I get a letter in the mail that says, uh, we'll be back. Uh, some contracts will be coming by, and they'll be moving forward. Now, only the reason I'm I'm, doing, I'm saying this is because this this needs to be said, and yeah. it's a it's, it's a it's an announcement. Yeah, we've all we've all at some point given up on 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 FEMA for sure, and Red Cross. We talk bad about them, and me personally, I've definitely been one of those that's been loud talk. But for them, they, but a friend, one of my referee buddies, and I'm gonna make this short. A guy I referee with, they contacted him and told him to get his receipts in order and get his, they put some receipts in all together, and they'll be putting funds in his hands and making repairs and attempting to uh, be looking to make his house whole again. The one question I had with them when they came by and did the home visit, while they looking around and they and I'm, they talking and all and I'm listening, my question was, are you going to fix this or what? You know, just, uh, and what, what's going to be the replacement value? And the guy... Two guys basically told me point blank. FEMA and Red Cross is not about making new. They're about making you whole and they're about replacing. That means putting your house or your place of residence back to where it was before the storm starts. So no matter what my amount of money that you spent out, they're going to put a value on it and that's what they're going to hang it. We can all get mad. It ain't enough, and we all know that. But the one thing I'm learning about all of this is don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Even when you give up on them, don't stop praying. Something's going to happen. And like I said, I hadn't heard from these folks in six months. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> all of a sudden they show up. I get a phone call. And that was the day of the U of H football media day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which kept you from asking the question. And that is now. Right? I'm like you. Yep. I'm like you. Did that not the are we the only three that, that paid attention to that? I didn't notice that. Uh, it seems like it. Yes. Let me say yes. I'm not gonna toss any names out there. Okay, well, let me ask this question before you get to too far, and then I'm done with it. Was it an increase in interest of what we discussed last week about what Major Applewhite said? Nope. That's sad. Nope, have not, have not That's sad. gotten any that means nobody. inquiry from a listener about the comments. Listener, wow. uh, Twitter follower, or anything like that. I wow. I did before UBH Media Day, like week, like last week. I, I did contact a colleague 
and let the person ask the person if they knew about the link and sent them the comments. After uh, last week, fast forwarding last week, well, no, see, the media day was Thursday. So Friday, so just a few days ago, I reached out to another colleague and asked if um, Major was asked about his college players should be compensated comments. My colleague said no and asked, when did Major say this? So I sent that colleague the comments that I transcribed and that are on our Facebook page. See, this just shows how small we are because this stuff is on. We've tweeted about it. It's on our Facebook page, the KG, Fifthwood Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. Comments are there. They've been shared a couple of times on Facebook, been posted on Twitter. And I even email. I'll email the podcast, link to the podcast as well. This particular colleague was emailed. So this person didn't listen to the podcast or didn't pay it any mind. Just like glanced at it, said, oh, nice new podcast and left it at that. So, I mean, I guess I could resend it, send it out to a whole bunch of other people, local media. That ain't my job. No? That ain't my job. Now, they got production assistants that do that. So we're still, this is where we are. For any new listeners to this podcast, you can go to our KG, Fifthwood Wildcat and Doc Facebook page, scroll down the page, and you see Major Applewhite's comments that he says he believes that college players should be compensated. It's a lengthy, not lengthy, but it's a thorough quote. I even included a link to uh, the ESPN Football Media Day where he made the comments at the conference in, was it Providence, Rhode Island? So you, you can jump, you can watch the high, entire thing. It's about two hours and 10 minutes or so. Major's comments are toward the end of it, roughly about the one hour, 58 minute mark. So you can see and hear him make the comments. So it's still there. I think the link is still active. It was as of Friday. So that's uh, August 3rd. So it was still active. I don't know if it will be active in perpetuity on ESPN.com because Tying everything together, ESPN had the media day for the conference for the American on as part of its ESPN three programming. So all this stuff is tying together. So there's even the big boys are u- utilizing the technology to showcase media days, to showcase other athletic events that are not on over the air television. So maybe the fact that it's was on ESPN three and not ESPN two or ESPN U or ESPN the mothership is why is why it has not received any more national attention. But it's still there. So as long as it's still there, you can look to it yourself. Maybe someone will ask. Maybe that colleague will ask. Will bring up the, the uh, question that the next media event media availability at U of H. I don't know. 
But it's out there. I think it should be asked, you know, by local media, by someone. But again, like I said, it ain't my job. If this were Coach Sampson, in my domain of hoops, everybody knows. If nobody else going to ask a question, ain't no KD going to ask that question. <laughs> everybody knows that. Well, let me, since we at this point, the other big elephant in the room, Ohio State. Does, how many people will it just be? One or two people losing the job, or will it be a, a group of folks losing the job? It's terrible to say. Let them investigate. Well, who, who, I, who, knows, I will, who knows when, who knows what they knew, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I talked to a legal person, a uh, person in law enforcement, uh, last week. And the person told me point blank what it's going to boil down to is report records and what the state laws abide in each state, in the state of Florida and in the state of Ohio. But he did tell me one thing. That one photo with blood on it of fresh wounds here in the state of Texas, no question. Somebody going to lock up. Somebody going to lock up. Whether it be whether it's him or her, somebody's going to lock up. Because fresh wounds, that means something happened. And they don't know what, but they, the law says somebody goes to jail, they get medical reports, and they figure it out down, once they get downtown. Nobody is left at the Both parties are not left at the house to sell it out. Somebody's going to lock up in the state of Texas. That's just in the state of Texas. Now, what the state law is in, in Florida and what state law is in Ohio, you know, that's a question mark. But as of today, tomorrow, yesterday, and forevermore, in the state of Texas, there's an abuse showing when they roll up, somebody's going to jail. Right now, just like you said, it's all in, it's all in law enforcement. And your reports and all got to be filled out, uh, got to be discussed. But, Doc, well, yeah, Doc, how much is his payout without cause? Because I know with cause, they can pretty much just run you off. Yeah, I'm not sure, and I think that's the issue that they're coming with. To answer your first question, I think it'll be two. Um, I think what they're looking at now is trying to figure out if they can get a agreement for a buyout because they hate to fire the individual, not because of the money. That means he's going to have to sue for his money, which means that this is going to stream along throughout the season, similar to what you've seen with Louisville uh, on the basketball side. So they would like to come to an agreement and hope folks just go away. But uh, it looks like uh, there's some questioning about uh, about that, about him going away in, in regards to that. So, I think at this point, uh, they'll try to quiet it down and see if they can get the season going. Uh, but it's probably going to get uglier before it gets uh, cleaner and gets to uh, the culmination 
of with Urban Meyer. So watch out for it. Looks like now that they're even trying to push it up to the athletic director level. Um, so I think this is going to get bigger before it gets smaller. So um, it, it just tells you how far we are still with society in terms of recognizing what goes on and who gets privileged in a lot of ways to be able to to move forward. And the privilege was so deep that Urban Meyer kind of tossed it out there with the media day flippantly and found out that the world has changed to some degree uh, where he couldn't just tune it off uh, once uh, more information came out of what took place. And now you have this full-fledged fire, five along fire, as you would say. So, um, it'll be interesting. The last thing they're saying that essentially uh, they should know something about 14 days after they, they do the inquiry. Okay, they're going to try to close it out before the beginning of the season. All right, let's wrap it up. This is a a, a full-fledged <laughs> views-encompassing podcast. We touched on a lot of different things, which is good. Yeah, um, you yeah. heard some things. Listeners, you heard some things that you may not hear in other other uh, places. So that's what we do on these KG Fifth Quarter Wildcat and Doc podcasts. One of our tags is sports and more. So if you're new to the podcast, thank you for listening and spread the word to other people, to your friends, and let them know that these guys know what they're talking about and they're not afraid to discuss other topics that some folks may not be at liberty to discuss. And it doesn't mean that they're afraid to talk about them. They just can't talk about them. Well, yeah. we can do that we on, don't, on this we, podcast. We don't have that over here. <laughs> we don't have it over here. Either. So one, just, one last time, uh, Doc, I'll talk to you first. How can folks find you on the, the uh, Internet? Yeah, social media platforms. You can find me at Twitter. Instagram and Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can also listen to our show every Tuesday. That's Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. That's every Tuesday, 545 to 715 Central Time. 545 to 715 Central Time as we talk about the weekly HBCU sporting scene, looking at the cultural framework of HBCU sports. We give it to you not just about sports, but we'll also touch on the bands and business side of sports as well. And you can go to the website, get all types of information, and www.theheritagegroupagency.com. Theheritagegroupagency.com. Why can't you got it? How can folks find you on the internet? Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, JL Woodley One, Jerry L. Woodley Jr., um, Stitcher, Blogger, Blogspot, YouTube, SoundCloud, AKSV, DCSR, The College Sports Report, and on Stitcher, PHWJ. Nine eight five five at Gmail. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, Houston Round Ball Review dot com. 
Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube on Twitter. I'm the HR Review. Our podcasts are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Stitcher as well. So that's KG, Spiffle Wildcat, and Doc Podcast on those platforms. So visit the Facebook page. We're trying to be more interactive on the page, sharing different topics on there, get some more people to communicate with us. Appreciate one of our loyal listeners, supporters, followers for asking questions about last week's podcast because his alma mater was one of those, um, what's it called? Low Limited Resource Institutions. Yes, Limited Resource Institutions. So he asked about that and turns out his alma mater is one of those limited resource institutions and they received a, a nice size grant from the NTAA. So we do answer those questions. So go to the KG. Fifth World Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. My website is HoustonRoundBarView.com. Once again, added some things to the site, different functionalities, uh, different information, and different ways to access that information. I'm working on that. I am the webmaster. So it's me, myself, and I running the site. So it may take me longer than some folks to do certain things. And some folks are some folks are, are surprised when I say that. I'm the person doing the site. I do all that stuff. I am Houston Round Bar Review. Don't get that twisted. I do the blogging. I do the tweeting. I do the Facebook page. I do the website. So when I come up with information that other folks don't get, I've been doing this a long time. That's all I'm going to say. And I think Wildcat and I will be available for a podcast next Sunday before we head to Indianapolis for mock selection. Uh, media mock selection to get another look at um, how the NCAA picks teams for the tournament. Folks may say, if you're new to it, why are you guys going to do that? It's women's basketball. Well, we've been going to Final Fours and covering them for 15 years now. So we, it's what we do. Part well, of what we do. A little bit longer than that, Jack. <laughs> a little bit longer than that. You started in 2000 in San Antonio. No, that was 2002. You sure? I'm pretty sure. That was 2002, yeah. Okay. All right, then. Well, Not I, bad. I don't know. You might be right. It's, I mean, it, uh, yeah, I know that, that was the first one we, we all headed out to. Well, you and me headed out to. Was, yeah, that, well, that, was a, that wasn't a credentials one. So that wasn't me a credential. So you are right. Cause I did say follow. So that's different. So we were at that one. So, yeah. So we were. All right, then. So we've been doing this a long time, and, and there, the NCAA has made some tweaks to the uh, media mock selection and how to pick how teams are being picked. So it's always good. You never, you're never too old to learn new information, information period. So that's another reason why we go. They allow us to participate. So why not do that? So uh, that's what we're going to do. And one more time, I'm KG of the Houston Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram, and the YouTube. Shout out to People follow me on YouTube, the new followers. People love the Rockets. Rockets made a trade, trading the Tinanu Onuwaku to the Mavericks to basically clear, clear up a roster spot to, to uh, sign Carmelo. This is just, just a matter of time. Some fans on Instagram were like, so we still get Melo. I don't want him. I'm sorry. Well, he is just inevitable. Just grit your teeth and bear it. It's going to happen. So 
that's just that's <laughs> oh man. You know, that's a minority opinion, but that is it's still out there. Some folks aren't happy with that, but hey. I know. It's, it's what's gonna happen is what's gonna happen. It is what it is. So but uh thank you for the comments and get more folks asking questions on Instagram. So that's a good thing. That's a good sign. So different ways to interact with people. Like I said a few times in this podcast, I'm old head, but I'm learning to adapt to today. So I could just bear with me and I do the best I can with what I with what I know and and what I try to know and ask questions when I don't know. I think all, all three of us feel that way. None of us know everything. All three of us are not afraid to ask questions when we don't know something. So I think some folks in our business don't think that way. So just leave it at that. Gentlemen, as always, thank you for your time, your knowledge, and your insight. We'll do it again in a few days, seven days, maybe. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.